0: Welcome to the Macrofab Engineering Podcast. I'm your guest, Michael Lyons, with Syntex Paranormal out of Austin, Texas. And we're your hosts, Stephen Craig. And Parker Dillman. Welcome to the Macrofab
1: Engineering Podcast.
0: Yeah. So this is uh, one of our uh, long-term customers, uh, Syntex Paranormal out of Austin, Texas. And this is uh, Mr. Lyons. So, Michael, what do yeah. you uh, do over at Syntex? Uh, not a lot. Um, <laughs> you're the only person I talk to over there. Yeah, I, I'm the one-man engineering team. Uh, so I design ghost hunting equipment. We've got two products out right now. Well, the second one's coming out next month. Um, the EDI and the EDI Plus. That's the new one. Um, so they're multimeters pretty much, and they, they, they measure several different things at once. Like the EDI Plus, the new one. It's got the the Bosch BME280 sensor on it, which measures all sorts of atmospheric stuff, temperature, pressure, humidity. And then I've got uh, electromagnetic field sensor on there and an accelerometer. And all of these are read out over LEDs and a display on the front of the case. And it's got an SD
1: card for recording all the data. Cool, awesome. Yeah, it's it's a pretty spiffy little case. Yeah, kind of all in one in, in a in a nice little compact package. And you know what yeah. I really like about
0: it too is it's a portable device that runs off double A batteries. So yeah. it doesn't have any fancy like lithium ion battery or anything. Yeah, you like don't that.
1: have to charge it up. Yep. No, Just, no, no. Yeah, throw some batteries <laughs> in it and go go hunting. I love
0: double yeah. A's. And it's about the size of an old Game Boy too. Mm-hmm. It's a little thicker, but a little thicker. It's yeah, pre- yeah, it's pretty thick, but it's it's you know like a large smartphone. But but it's nice because like when you that's when you a, have it in your hand, that's some smartphone.
1: A yeah. large smartphone, like four of them stacked on top of each other. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> but but it's got it's, it has a little bit of heft to it. Like when you feel it and hold it, it's like this is this is a product, you know. Oh yeah. yeah,
0: you we've thrown them all over the place and still haven't broken one. I'm dead serious. We can't break them. Awesome. <laughs> so so you're the uh, the only engineer at Suntex then? Yeah, there's I, only two of us. Me, me and my brother. Yeah. So you do I guess the layout. Do you do the firmware as well? Yeah. Yeah. So I I start with a. Uh, You know, design idea, and then I find the best way to implement it in hardware. Then I do layout, and you know, we all argue about what it's supposed to look like. But once we hammer that down, do the layout, send the boards to you guys to make them, and then I just sit there for a couple months trying to program it as slowly (laughs) as possible. No, this time I put off the firmware until an hour before Brandon needed it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We actually got earlier this week. We're you know trying to push some of the boards out, and we got a not complete firmware yeah. just to make sure that our proof of concept <laughs> board, the first off the line, actually worked before we ran the rest of the run. Is, <laughs> is there a different
1: way to do this? Uh, that, I feel that, like I'm doing it right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know that that happens. We get that we get that a lot actually. <laughs> yep. So, so okay, we got to uh, roll back again. And uh, you make ghost hunting detectors and, yeah. and products. How did you get started with that? Um, so my brother, he's always
0: been huge into ghosts and ghost hunting, and he had some really crazy experiences when he was in high school. He had this girlfriend, and she was being followed is the story, right? Hmm. Wherever she went, there was like ghost activity and it was just one dude and it was super creepy he's got a lot of weird stories i was never really into it much right but in college we were living together and he he was like man if you can make a product for ghost hunting that does this 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 and this right we put it all together make it cheaper than anybody else's we can sell them and so i was like so you were actually in electronics before this then Yeah, I I got a double E degree. Okay, okay. (laughs) I know, it seems like I'm winging it, but I did get some training. Uh, I think it's like every electrical engineer that builds a small product like this. Right, yeah. Oh, of course, yeah.
1: I mean, why not?
0: Um, Especially with Macrofab, it's so cheap to build a prototype, so, you know, I wasn't risking a whole lot by, you know, making some crappy designs that didn't work, you know. But so I, I finally nailed down the first one. Um, that that took about a year because I was working full time, mm-hmm. at a I was working at Flextronics up in North Austin and Freescale down in South Austin. Also, you know all about building stuff then. Oh yeah, even in college I was working <laughs> in electronics manufacturing. So that's just something I've been doing for a long time. So what do you actually think about our setup? It's good. <laughs> <laughs> what, what am I supposed to say? For <laughs> what it is, it's good. I get I, you know. I want to see the new place too. And yeah. I heard it's going to be real nice. It's, the new place is going to be pretty much nicer than our current current place. I yeah. mean, your current place it it looks like every other one I've been in. Yeah. I mean, to yeah. be honest, yeah. <laughs> that's actually saying a good thing about it. Then. Yeah. 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 Nah, and it's super we're doing light, something right. Super <laughs> laid back. Uh, the guys that were helping put it together today were super chill. The... Brandon really accommodates for when I tell him, yeah, I need a hundred today. Yeah. <laughs> he told me that this morning. I'm like looking at him like, hey, that was me motioning my head back and forth. No, this morning he was like, yeah, you, you want to take like what three units home with you? I was like, no, <laughs> I want to take a hundred. All of them. And yeah. So, all right. So I actually, um, so you got double E, right? Yeah. So how did you get into electronics? Um, I didn't know what to do my freshman year of college, and I just signed up for engineering. Wow. Yeah. That's the first. Yeah, that, that doesn't happen very often. <laughs> yeah. Especially electrical engineering. Yeah. No, it the, worked out. Because I, I fell in love with it, and I can do it all day, you know. But I, I guess I just got lucky. Yeah. I, yeah. Because <laughs> I, I, I switched majors into electrical engineering. Really? Yeah, yeah. me too, actually. Yeah. Yeah, most of the people I was with, this was, you know, not their first pig. You know, they had graduated or gone off to the military, come back. Most people don't go straight into it. I was definitely one of the younger ones in there. Yeah. No. So, uh, so that's actually your, when you got into electronics and you got into it by going to school. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's, that, yeah that's, that's usually not the story that you hear. Yeah.
0: I mean, I've always been a tinkerer since I was a kid, especially with computer parts, you know. Building PCs and stuff, but actually getting into the nitty gritty of laying out a you know, a circuit board and and stuff like that. Now, they don't even teach you that in college. No, no, they don't, (laughs) they don't don't teach you that. (laughs) They just teach you the theory of crap and you just go figure it out on your own, (laughs) yeah. yeah. Because I got into electronics, um, when I was around 15 years old, actually messing with old Ataris, really. And I'm actually not that old because I'm only 28. So, Atari's were really old when I was messing with them. So, (laughs) basically, it was like someone, like, uh, basically just said, hey, can you fix this? And I'm like, maybe. Yeah. I know how a soldering iron works. (laughs) (laughs) And the rest is history after that. Yeah. Now, I've never picked up a soldering iron until college. I know. Well, at least you were actually ahead of most people in college, because most people still don't pick up a soldering iron at all in college? so true i know so many people graduated had no idea what they were doing
1: yeah <laughs> oh man some you of the labs learn it on is... your own what's really? a breadboard yeah. there's not time for that in college there were there were some some kids that that in lab i was just shocked at how little they knew like, uh, i mean it's like how'd you get this far like <laughs> what professor
0: got you this far i remember our first lab it was soldering lab and we put together a crystal radio yeah, and you know, just soldered it all by hand. Yeah, yeah, and that's how they taught us, you know, to put together crap in the lab.
1: <laughs> wow, we did, we never had to solder at at A and M.
0: Yeah, we didn't have to solder at all either. Hmm. That was all auxiliary learning. And for uh, me. <laughs> what, what school did you go to, Michael? Texas State Bobcats. Ooh, yeah, yeah. They teach you soldering at Texas State. They do. They solder good. <laughs> so that was the first. <laughs> that was the first. So that was the first circuit you made at Crystal Radio. Uh, yeah, I guess so. Yeah. It's like, yeah, that was my, one of my first ones when I was a kid, except mine didn't work. Oh, I definitely built one when I was a little kid, too, with my mom. She was a science teacher, so. Ah. And that was the funny thing is I my dad's a chemical engineer, so I brought it to my dad, and my dad, like, looked at me like, son, I have no idea how electronics work. <laughs> well, I still don't. <laughs> I actually. Uh... So the zeros and ones go down the copper. Right. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> You started with has, zeros and ones. And the solder mask is designed to keep them from floating away.
1: Oh, yeah, that's exactly <laughs> it. Yeah, Don't make 90-degree turns or they'll fall out. Yeah, they just bounce <laughs> they, off they, into the solar They shoot system. off. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I actually started, um, my, my, my folks told me, they used to go to, like, flea markets and things like that throughout the year and buy Christmas presents for us. And And my mother would say things like, In March, she'd get home to the house and be like, I got your next Christmas present. I'm like, it's March, Mom. (laughs) It's March. It's not Thanksgiving yet. (laughs) But there was one year she actually, it was like seriously like six months ahead of Christmas. And she was like, I got you the best Christmas present ever. Uh, And I was like, okay, great. And I forgot about it. And then on Christmas Day, she hands me this box that uh, inside is called the Gakin EX150, which is like, remember the old Radio Shack Uh, like 150 in one kits where it's just like a piece of cardboard with springs out of it and you put resistors in the springs and stuff. This was similar to that but they were like Lego blocks Uh, and each block had like a resistor or a cap or whatever in it and a little book that's just you plug all those little uh, pieces in. We we need to to post a link to one of these things because they're going for like 300 bucks on ebay right now these wow. old gakin they're they're japanese
0: so did you like go digging through your attic once you realize how expensive they are now you know i i still have it
1: <laughs> oh there i we do go. still have it it's it is up in my <laughs> attic which putting things in an attic in in houston texas means they they get destroyed they die that's where they go to die so yeah that was that was my start i, I built like little radio buzzers and things like that blinking leds this, this was, did not have any LEDs. It had incandescent bulbs in these little Lego blocks. What voltage <laughs> was this thing running at? It had a couple D-cells in the back. So I, I think, I think, it, ran six I think okay. it ran up to 12. I think it ran up to 12. 12 volt
0: incandescent exists. Yeah. Oh, cool. Um, Michael, um, so whatever like, hobbies and stuff do you have? you like to do? Because I think I, you have a band. Yeah, yeah, I'm a musician, Um, so I play in a band called Law By The Gun, based in Austin, Texas. We're four-piece. We do Southern rock, Americana stuff. Awesome. Um, I also do acoustic gigs with the singer. That takes up a lot of time. You know, we're out there two, three nights a week, more. Um, Quit my day job a year ago so I could do this. So I've been, like, driving rideshare. I've been, you know, doing the band thing. I've been doing this. Doing whatever I can do for money. <laughs> Those are my hobbies right now is making money, <laughs> doing side jobs. <laughs> it's, a, it's a good hobby to have. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, is there anything else you want to add about Syntex? Um, if you want to check out the, the product, it's at SyntexParanormal.com. That's C-E-N-T-E-X Paranormal.com. Um, we got pre-orders for the EDI Plus right now um, through Ghostop.com. It's definitely worth checking out even if it's you're not It's called Ghostop? ghoststop.com is our is our retailer right now for the okay. release of it. They're like one of the biggest online retailers for ghost hunting equipment. You know, it always surprises me of all these niche product markets. Oh yeah, I I'm always surprised by the the paranormal community. It's way bigger than you th- probably think. Hmm. Yep. They're full of surprises. There's People just come out. They're like, "Oh yeah, yeah, I do that too." It's like, really? Yeah, <laughs> no idea. Yeah, it's like uh, before MacroFab, I worked with Church at uh, Chris Church over at uh, Dynamic Perception, and they made camera sliders for like stop motion stuff mm-hmm. and for uh, time lapse. And like not being in that, and you find, you realize like we sell like ten to fifteen of these a day. Who's buying this stuff? <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's, it's probably the same thing. The world's yeah. a lot
1: bigger than you think Way yeah, inter- we sell
0: internationally, so we got you know u k distributors, Australian distributors, stuff like that. Wow, there's people all over the place. so can you explain the I think the most interesting thing about, about it is the uh, the uh, electromagnetic dis- detection yeah,' that's on it, can you explain how that works? Um, so I got a big ol. Um, air core inductor on there that i use as an antenna mm-hmm. and two stages of gain a little filtering bam you got you got an analog signal that uh it, it'll pick up just about anything if you get too close to it sure, sure. <laughs> and, and
1: it has a it has a row of blue leds that show the yeah intensity. a little bar craft
0: yeah yeah and actually you can switch the display to read out the milligauss
1: right right uh, readings on it
0: cool. That's probably one of the most important tools in their bag, so that one's got to be working
1: well, definitely. Well, yeah, and you have that tied to uh, a little buzzer speaker, right? Yeah, yeah so, so, so it's, a it's audible with, yeah. with the visual. Yeah. This thing's pretty cool. It has a bunch of environmental... I mean, it basically is a, a big environmental sensor. Yeah, I mean,
0: you could use it for whatever you want, really. It doesn't even have to be for ghost hunting, and it's got the data logger on there, too. So Yeah. And we've got graphing software on our website that you can hook it up to. Load you load up the uh, csv file into it, and you can take snapshots, of uh, time lapse graphs, and stuff. It looks cool. Looks real great, yeah. H- cool. um,
1: how much are you uh, selling these for? That is one ninety for the Eddie Plus, and I think one ten for the Eddie. Awesome. Yeah.
0: yeah, it's it's definitely half the price of any other competitor that's doing the same thing. And there's nobody really else doing the same thing right now. <laughs> so we, we kind of got that market corner. <laughs> oh, that's a pretty cool little, little circuit. Yeah, that's actually, it's, it's the one product that we make at Macrofab that I tell everyone we make. Because it's <laughs> so interesting and, like, it's like the ideal, like, niche thing that, you know, what Macrofab is for.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. And, and, I mean, it's like when you have to explain Macrofab to people, it's like, what, does, what do you do at Macrofab? We make ghost detectors and things <laughs> of the sort. Yeah, that sort, yeah. <laughs> oh, man, I have to answer that question
0: almost every day. Oh, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, You <laughs> know how many questions I get when I tell them I make ghost hunting equipment? If I'm not in the mood, I just tell them online retail. <laughs> <laughs> kind of dodge the question. Well, cool. Um, I guess we'll just go right. In, if you have anything else? No. Nah. Not cool. Yeah. Uh, RFO section, rapid-fire opinion. Mm-hmm. All um, right. So, this week, MakerBot came out with their release in their 6th Gen 3D printer. Uh, So, they have... uh, Their replicators are basically being upgraded to 6th Gen, whatever that means. Um, They're still really, really expensive, (laughs) as all MakerBots are. But they're good. I mean... I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me how you really feel, Parker. Uh... They're good. I, Let's I, just leave it at that. They're good printers. I think they're
1: overpriced. Sure. Sure. Okay. I'm probably the only one here that's never used three D printing. There we go. <laughs> I, I I don't have one myself. I've used it. We we have a, what what is it called? The one we have at, at MacroFab. Oh, you mean mine? That's like my, my Fabricator well, yeah, Mini. Uh, yeah, your Fabricator Mini. It's, it's like the, the, the cheapest little tiny guy's
0: printer ever. Yeah. What? Uh, two hundred bucks. It's a hundred $40 something like that. Does it work? Oh, I thought it was $200. Yeah, it works. Okay. There you go. It hey, no, seems like a good deal.
1: It's not bad. We've, we've printed a couple little things here and there for uh, customer stuff. Yeah. A little, a little tiny enclosures and jigging stuff. Jigging and, you and make me clips a jig? and things like that. <laughs> it's not big enough to print one for the MFI. Well, wait, make, the, make
0: it in puzzle pieces, man. Put it together. <laughs> yeah. I think
1: the print size is what? Two inches by two two a inches half? Two inches by two inches. Yeah. Yeah. So it'd be
0: a lot of puzzle pieces. <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> 18 hours of print
0: for one box. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I guess I, I don't care about MakerBot releasing a 6th Gen. I think there's way better printers out there for your money.
1: I agree. I, I like it. I say thumbs up. And the reason why I say that is because MakerBot's been around for a while. They sort of kick-started all this stuff, uh, they, the 3D printing rage in terms of being like a name. They're the only one an, I've heard of. Name. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they are like a 3D printing name. People know that. And it's cool to see that they're getting far enough to have a 6th generation. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. So I say thumbs up. That's cool. All
0: right. Second on the list is um, when chip manufacturers have two markings on their, on their IC packaging, but only have one of them in the data sheet. And so this is actually applicable to the EDI that we're building because it uses an stm 32 chip. Mm-hmm. And they have two markings on the die in the corners. So one means it's pin one indicator. The other one is something else. And so we spent, <laughs> I probably spent about half a day trying to figure
1: out which one is the actual pin one indicator. I, th- okay, I think I know what you're talking about on this. The, the pin one indicator is the dot that's smaller. Yes. Which doesn't make sense, though. Well, OK, the larger dot is the injection die dot. Correct. Yeah. Which, by the way, that's a freaking garbage way of marking chips.
0: It, I'll put it this way. It would have been fine if they actually drew that in the diagram. And so you're like, oh, okay. The bigger one is the the ejection port. No, they just they just don't draw that. So for future reference, basically the difference is the pin one indicators are usually dished, so they have a con a concave.
1: Oh, to right. them. you You got
0: to be kidding me. Yeah, and then the ejection is flat. But the average
1: the, the average Joe who's playing around with this doesn't have a, a microscope to go see. Oh, I could I could tell a dish in a in a. .1-millimeter circle on the top of this black device, you know? I'm glad I got you guys to do that for me.
0: <laughs> um, so, yeah, manufacturers, put,
1: put that in their data sheet, please. No, uh, but, but even more generically, uh, manufacturers, just make your data sheet clear. Yes. You know, if you're going to have two dots on it, one's bigger, one's smaller, put a note to the smaller one and say, this is the PIN 1 indicator. You know, you could have 1,500 dots on there. Just point to the right one and give me the <laughs> yeah. you know, give me the right note. Well, they laser the
0: tops of these things with all the information. Why can't they just laser in the dish a one,
1: the hole, put a one there? I think the reason behind it is they don't want to have to align it when it goes into the laser. It can technically, depending on the lot, they, no, can, the, they can be a no, different they're rotation, all, right?
0: Well, no, all the ones that we have all the same... Uh,
1: Because they probably came from the same lot. I don't know if that's different, though. You guys are asking too much from them. (laughs) (laughs) To tell us how to
0: properly mount the chip. So I guess uh, Lions probably doesn't really care. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, not not since y'all are doing it. (laughs) I lined it up on your little, you know, your website. I was like, there's pin one. There you go. That's all you have to do. That's all I got to do. We have to make sure that which dot is the correct dot. Right. <laughs> <the> chip.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's just a garbage way of doing
0: it. Yep. And for number three, the last one for today, um, this is kind of more of speculating. And uh, Silicon Labs, earlier today, released on their Twitter account that something is coming September 28th. Ooh. And it had a GIF with, like, a bunch of images and stuff. And the images was, like, a bee, and then, like, a bunch of sensor stuff, and then, like, I don't know. Just random uh, wingdings. (laughs) Wingdings? (laughs) (laughs) A strawberry. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And the the twit says, uh, it will all make sense. And sense was capitalized. And so Silicon Labs, they make microcontrollers. Yeah. And they make a lot of sensors. They were a sensor company first. Lots of sensors. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. And we've
1: been talking about them for a while.
0: Yeah. I I actually really like their microcontrollers because they're dirt cheap.
1: You know, yeah, I've never met anybody cheap. that's
0: used those. Yeah.
1: Uh, Parker, you just finished the uh, macro watch, right? Yeah. That uses so yeah, we updated the macro watch from a yeah I thought it cheapo was a pick. pick, yeah, yeah. Uh, and it was comparable in cost, right? And no, d- it was uh, half the price. Half the price. Yeah, the oh, the
0: wow. the EFM8 Sleepy B I was using it was half the price. Yeah, so that Pick16 whatever, and it was yeah. way easier to get working. It only took me three hours to get a
1: blinky LED. It took me almost all
0: day on the pic to get
1: that working. Only three hours. Only, <laughs> yeah, only three <laughs> hours. Hey, you <laughs> didn't see how frustrated he was with when the pic was going down. He was yeah. raging. You know, I've actually <laughs> never programmed on a pic. And uh, Don't. You know, I feel
0: like that's what everybody starts on. You know, they, they teach you that and stuff in the beginning. I, I never
1: did. You know, I think that's probably changing. Because I, I, picks are not the easiest to learn on. No, I, I remember, like when I was in university, my microprocessor class. We started on,
0: um, like a Motorola HCS12 or whatever. You know, one of the original Motorola chips. Yeah. And oh, then, that's interesting. And then, like a year or two later, they just started with ARM. I was like, oh, I missed that.
1: They <laughs> just go right into ARM. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, oh. yeah. I was actually in. The, I was in the same area. I was, I was in a, a the over years, and so we started off on the Freescale 9S12, which is really archaic. Yeah, that's what it was, the 9S12. Yeah, Freescale 9S12. Yeah. yeah. And then we switched over to a uh, Cortex arm yeah. later, a TI arm that was like, the dev board was like eight times the cost <laughs> as the old right. Freescale one. The Teva? But it, but it yeah, the Tiva, yeah. yeah. But it connected over USB, which, so you didn't have to have a uh, serial converter because no one had serial ports on their laptops.
1: Yeah, right. <laughs> I, you know, I never programmed a microcontroller once in college. Doing the whole analog path and everything, didn't even touch one. I did an FPGA twice. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Huh? It was a
0: required class, I think, for all double E's. My or no, just certain double E's, I think. Yeah, it is certain. I was
1: surprised because ANM, at the time, didn't have specific classes like that. I mean, the had classes were, like, how to design an operating system but not how to program a microcontroller, <laughs> you know? We, we
0: started in assembly, and it was grueling. Oh, yeah. yeah that's, assembly that's where we started, assembly. He wouldn't even give us a C compiler. <laughs> did, did you, um, was it the uh, little computer thir- 16 or something like that? No, it was a dragonfly is what the board was called. Yeah, because we had, our assembly was, we learned on an emulator first. Mm. it was like that little computer 16 or something or something like that. It was basically a 16-bit uh, emulated computer that we yeah. wrote assembly for. And that way you could see all the registers just in the emulator. So you could see what's going on. It's pretty cool stuff. No, I think, honestly, bottom up, if I was going to teach somebody, that's how you'd have to do it to yeah. understand it. Because yeah, then we did assembly on the 9S12. And then we had to actually write a robot in assembly.
1: Yeah, we like we made a line around. follower. Yeah, in assembly. Man, that sounds cool. I wish I got to do that.
0: <laughs> yeah, ours, no, no. It took like I, we were in there the whole freaking yeah. weekend sitting there trying to debug assembly. It's yeah, assembly is rough. <laughs> it was actually really interesting, is because we had to design a, a robot and we had a physical robot. But the final for that class is they emulated all the robots in a virtual space and they all fought each other because there no were way. Ser- <laughs> there were certain there were certain registers you could hit and it would fire. A cannon. What? Yeah. And so they basically simulated what, um, like people had like really advanced like detection algorithms and stuff, like to make their robot like not hit walls and so, and actually like find other robots to shoot at them and stuff. And one person even went into like, like even programmed, um, like it would estimate the speed of a robot, and then try to like lead the robot no. to shoot it. Yeah. Our robot in assembly. All our our robot did was spin around and we came in sixth place at 20. That reminds me
1: (laughs) so much of my college. Yeah. All we
0: did was just we fired because you have to fire the gun. So we fired the gun and just spun around. (laughs) (laughs) And we came in sixth place. Did you do uh, robotics competitions in college like with IEEE? No, I I didn't do that. No, man. So I did that. I was in the robotics club and they had to be autonomous and find their way through a course. Oh, my God, was that embarrassing. <laughs> they, <laughs> I remember we got, like, 12 out of
1: 12 once because we just like kept running into a wall and then turning around and running back into it. Well, uh, so, so at a we had to do something similar to that. Uh, that was, it was like a freshman electronics class where right. you had to make a robot that went through a maze. And the final was the, the maze. It had to go forward for a certain period of time, take a left, and then take a right through this maze. And people were doing all these, all kinds of stuff. Some some guys had full-on program microcontrollers that were sensing the walls. One guy made RC circuits that were so perfectly timed that it would make turns at the right time. Oh, and another overkill. guy, yeah, way, way overkill. But one of my buddies actually, he ended up just putting a giant wheel on the outside of it, so when it hit a wall, it would just fling itself through the rest of the corners <laughs> and he just brute forces his way through this maze and and the professor was like i guess it's a solution <laughs> it's awesome a, a lot of prof- a lot of professors would just be like no nope. yeah no it but but it, the way it was set up if you didn't make it through the maze you failed the class no way what? yeah no it was hardcore yeah,
0: that's brutal but yeah um you know what? I'm, we're now going to go back to Silicon Labs. Screw them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I guess we'll just end the podcast. <laughs> I think Cheers, that was good. Y'all. Cheers. Cheers. Yeah, yeah th- thanks for having me today. I really appreciate oh, it. Oh, it. it was a lot of fun. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Yeah, our doors at MacroTrap are always open. I'll be back, and I'll be bothering you. all <laughs> Don't worry. You come to the new shop. Yeah, I'll yeah. definitely go to the new shop. It's closer to
1: me. The air conditioning
0: bit. will be working.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that was the uh, Macrofab Engineering Podcast with our guest Michael Lyons And we were your hosts, Stephen Craig And Parker Doman. Take it easy, guys